My last podcast, I spoke with former superintendent of Hughes Public Schools, Cheryl Owens, about the impact that the consolidation with West Memphis due to Act 60 had on the town of Hughes. I also spoke to her about the impact of the digital divide in Hughes. I asked her what Hughes looks like today. That town is so different now, Christy. Most of the white people have left Hughes. They sold their home. We have uh, one store, the Dollar General store, no grocery store. We have a gas station. We have two gas stations. We have the two restaurants. And that's all Hughes has. So if you want to go, if you want groceries, you got to go to Forest City or West Memphis, Memphis, wherever you go. If you want fresh produce, you know, we're, we're, we're really a food desert. So mm-hmm. if you want fresh produce, you still got to go out of town. And I was thinking once about produce, some type of marketplace. Uh, and that's something that we could probably do. Because the mayor that we have now, you know, does the, the produce during the summer. So Hughes is just there. We're just hanging on. But now I still believe that Hughes has potential. I believe, Christy, if we had come together as one, we could have saved our school. It's just we've got to tap into the, the, the right and the best resources to help us work our way out of this. Currently, I serve on the city council, and we talk a lot about you know some things that we could possibly do to uh, to just break the town up because it's kind of mm-hmm. like a dead, a dead zone or something. But we, we don't, we're hopeful that things will get better. I, we, I even talked about, I would like to meet with some, uh, start something and meet with find a politician who would want to build for me. Maybe look at going back and recovering these little old communities and try to help these people recover some of what they lost. You know, like maybe charter schools or maybe schools for uh, agriculture or some type of science and math program, just something so that you won't have or just a lot of empty buildings right in the middle of your town that people vandalize and have stolen so much from the school. You know, you just you don't have that. You know, it's heartbreaking to hear how the town of Hughes has suffered so badly from the loss of their school. And it makes me think about the time that I spent growing up there and what a profound impact it had on my life. And you know, I'm not the only one that it had an impact on. I've spoken to several people that I went to school with, one being Reggie Davis, who's a social justice activist in Memphis. And he had these thoughts about Hughes. I cross that bridge and it feels like I've stepped back at least 30 years in, in time. Yeah. <laughs> um, just the way things are ran, just, you know, yeah. that systemic way of doing things. It's almost like, whoa, I didn't, like, I, I know we still deal with some stuff in Memphis, but like, this feels like I'm stepping back to being a, a teen again. Right. <laughs> and, and I also realized, like, I'm not raising my, my children there, right? Like, right. I love Hughes. I will forever proudly say I'm from Hughes, but just the opportunities. I, I just think about like, you know, not being able to play baseball. Right. <laughs> um, you know, just things you could not do and part of it like it was never spoken out loud, but now that I look back on it, oh, I know why 
You know, I will say even for the last 20 years of my life, my career choices have been in some form or fashion my way of trying to promote social justice. Uh, I've, I've done youth development for the most part for about for most of that time, but now I'm engaged with an organization that's part of a cradle-to-career uh, continuum. It's a national organization called Strive Together, but then each city can have a local representation of it. And my organization is called Seeding Success. And I I am the director of the K-12 portion of our work. And literally, we're working with other organizations, providing them with the resources and tools in order to do their jobs better so that young people can thrive from the time of birth until they get a a job, right? And so we work with over 100 different organizations, city of Memphis, county, uh, school districts, and really trying to do system change work uh, versus just creating programs. We realize, too, you can have a great program, but if if we're not looking at policy and, and really trying to codify some things to create those opportunities uh, for equity and equality. And so, you know, we have a policy team. Then uh, we have those like myself who work with the organizations, providing them with the resources, tools, workshops, uh, and even networking and uh, collective impact work. So uh, that's what I currently do. But again, I, I feel like uh, the, the, from the organizations where I serve on boards, it's, it's all about how do we make our city, our region, a better place. Um, and a lot of that is built around equity. So Hughes struggled so much during the pandemic because they just had such a huge digital divide and they just couldn't get any access to their kids. And I wondered if somewhere like Conway had the same problems. So I interviewed one of my high school friends, Joel Lynn, who was an administrator in Hughes, and asked him what somewhere like Conway did about the pandemic. We're very fortunate here in a larger community, a lot of community partnerships, a lot of community support that, you know, last spring when we realized, okay, we were not going to come back to school and we've got to figure out something that we can do to give some level of access to these kids to continue whatever learning is going to take place these last nine weeks, that unfortunately, you know, we had had the equipment, we had to get devices into the hands of those who needed them. And I tell you, the um, we already had Chromebooks. We didn't have to go out and buy a lot of Chromebooks. So we were able to quickly, our, our partnership with Collicorp was huge. You know, we were able to work with them to, uh, as best we could, identify families. And a lot of times they had to self-report, you know, who did not have, you know, internet access. You know, Collicorp went out and they put in some internet for little little to nothing, charged to the families, those kind of things. So that kind of stemmed us, that kind of band-aided us through. But we knew we couldn't sustain that, right? I mean, Collin Corps, mm-hmm. they're wonderful, but they couldn't put the bill for free internet forever. So, you know, throughout the summer, as we got some money in, and uh, money and some federal money that came in to help pay for school for, for this year, you know, we were able to better identify, we felt, families that didn't have internet, and one thing we did, you know, we were able to purchase a ton of hotspots. But the challenge there, on top of that, was if you lived in an area that didn't have good cell service, the hotspot didn't do you any good. So we, you know, while I feel like we have done an above average 
I mean, well above average job of doing our best to make sure that folks who needed internet, we did our we did everything in our power to get internet to them. But we still have places in our in our district that are so remote, and we don't think about that being in Conway. But we have areas that are so remote that you don't get a good cell signal. That hotspot's not going to do you a bit of good. And so, you know, we still are working with families, even on you know, March 31st, that are struggling because the internet is so slow, or it, they don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost non-existent, so they can't get their assignments uploaded, and and you know, their email doesn't work good, and all that. So, I think we've made some huge strides, but we are by no means 100%. We've not the bridge is not complete on that divide, but I think we've done uh, as about a good as job as, as possible given the circumstances right now. So Hughes basically is lacking support and lacking a community spirit. And, you know, that's what it takes to keep a town going. And when you take away the school, you take away the community spirit. So how can Hughes bounce back? What are some ways that these little Delta towns can survive? I'll start with early childhood, right? Preschool. I I still think providing families with access to early childhood support and making that free and accessible to any and every family is huge, right? But I also, let's start there, also think livable wages because when you have parents who are making a minimum wage or they feel like they need multiple jobs and that pulls them away from being with their children to support their children, or when they come home to be with their children, they're too tired to invest. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a, that is a reality. So I think livable wages makes sense. I think the fact that we're still under $8 an hour for a uh, minimum wage is ridiculous. I would also say just how we fund education. I mean, I, I yes. still, I don't think funding for education, I just don't even understand what we're doing in America sometimes. I know, I know, yeah. Uh, But I think funding education and how we fund education and provide those resources for school systems can make a huge difference. I asked my dad why he thinks that people still stay in towns like Hughes because it just seems so difficult to live there. And he had this to say. You know, I've asked myself that same question. Why would you stay in a place where you are hated, mistreated, and God knows what else? Why would you do that? And then I remember uh, your grandpa's uh, Thompson and uh, and uh, Christian mm-hmm. coming back from uh, the war back into the same poverty that they had left. Mm-hmm. And the reason was, as best I can understand that, is that that was their home. That's that's where they had their roots. This was, you know, they could say home. Well, Hughes is my home. It was it, the people were precious. Yeah, but their ideas were antique. Mm-hmm. Hughes is home, and as much adversity as Hughes has seen, you know, people are still going to try, and hopefully the town comes together, and they get some type of relief or some type of help. But, you know, Hughes is not alone. This is happening in so many rural areas, 
and I hope that my podcast has kind of shed some light about what it was like to grow up in a rural Delta town and what it's like to be there now. So thank you for listening. This has been Christy Bentley.